Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Sometimes you make up your mind, like let's say you make up your mind that you're going to eat good. And I'm eating healthy, I'm going to do it, and for two days you do it right. And then somebody brings donuts into the office. And you eat one bite. But because of the guilt of your failure, you go ahead and cross the threshold and you eat the whole dozen. And you wash it down with a cinnamon roll and a chocolate milk just to make sure you go straight to nutrition hell. Why do you do it? We figure I've already messed up now. No sense wasting the rest of this dozen. Maybe like me, sometimes you've decided I'm going to be wise financially. We're going to get out of debt. And for 11 straight days, you make good decisions. You pack your lunch. You make meals at home. You stop frivolous spending for 11 straight days. And then something breaks. The strap on your sandal falls off. You hit a pothole. You blow out a tire. You freak out. And so to soothe your pain, you go to the mall. You buy two pair of shoes and an outfit to match. And four tires because you want your car to know that you're apologizing for hitting that pothole. Why is it that we do it? Why is it that so many times when we know we should apologize, we don't? Why is it that when we know we should take responsibility, we do the opposite? Why is it that when we know what's right, we do what's easy? Why is it that when we often know to do good, we don't do it? because we make irrational decisions. To illustrate, I'm going to share with you a story. It's about my first car. The first car I owned, and my ex and my dad owned, I drove, he bought it for me, was a 1981 Buick Skylark. That's right, a Buick. Four cylinders of raw power with front-wheel drive, tan exterior paint with a black trim and tan cloth seats. It was amazing. I was the envy of every gearhead in the school. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I was a mom. It was a mom car. But like a cool mom, you know. Do you realize how incredibly difficult it was for me to be as cool as I was and to have to drive that to school? None of that was true. I was not cool at all. Uh, but anyway, so to improve my chances of being cool, my youth pastor, Buddy Thompson, sold me two Pioneer speakers that were guaranteed to make my bass thump and my music loud. And who doesn't find that cool unless you get my age and then suddenly it hurts your ears? So in my mind, I was going to have my contemporary Christian 80s music, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Russ Taft, Petra DeGarmo, and Key. And some of you, I just lost all of you because you have no idea who those people are. And I pray for you daily that you would find Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I, in my mind, I, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to play those music and I'm going to crank it up when I go down the road and I'm going to pray that the people in my parking lot at school, that they don't listen to the words of the songs and realize that I'm not the same kind of cool that they are. So I installed my speakers and I must not have known what I was doing because something went wrong and caused my battery to go dead and we replaced the battery and the alternator went dead and, and then just stuff started going bad. My dad was a mechanic. And he did some wiring work, which I must admit is not his automotive specialty. He was a front-end man. He did state inspections, and he could do just about anything. But wiring probably wasn't the area that he did the most of. So I'm on my way home from school one day. The tunes are cranking, and I'm feeling good about myself, and I realize I need some gas. So I stop by a gas station in Carmel Church. I sit there for a minute listening to my music, and suddenly a guy comes running out of the gas station saying, you got to move your car. It's on fire. And I'm sitting in front of the gas pumps. So I open the door, and sure enough, there are flames shooting from underneath my car, under the hood. And not the kind of flames you get when you're at a good concert. I mean, these were real flames. So I tried to start the car, and it wouldn't start, so... I put it in neutral, and I started shoving. And you would have thought that the guy at the gas station would notice that my car is on fire, and I'm pushing it alone, and we could blow the whole place up. But instead, he walks on back into the place and leaves me out there. So I'm shoving the car across the parking lot, which was really smart considering it was a fire. And I opened up the hood to get a better look, and smoke and flames like peeled the hair off my arms, and I couldn't hold the hood up for the heat, and I dropped it. And the hood release cable melted, and when the fire department showed up to squelch all the excitement, they peeled back the hood of my car, my 1981 Buick Skylark that I love so much. Next picture, my cool mom car was no more. Next picture. The fireman who was looking under the hood once the fire was out he pointed to this rat's nest of wires. Go ahead, next picture. You can see his hand pointing there. And he looked at it and he said, who did this? So I answered the only way a 16-year-old boy would. My dad did it. Well, that's what started your fire. I said, what do you mean? He said, somehow some of the wires got crossed and they created a spark and the rest is history. Some of the wires got crossed. Why is it that we often make irrational decisions? Because some of the wires get crossed in our brain. Your brain is not static. Your brain actually grows and evolves like a computer that's programming itself. Every time we think a thought, it becomes easier to think that thought again. Literally, your brain is creating neural pathways or, in our, in our thinking, wires that run across throughout your brain. A thought creates a pathway which makes it easier to think that thought again, which is good news if you're thinking good thoughts. The problem is we often aren't thinking good thoughts. All through life, your experiences and your thoughts are programming your brain to believe what you think is true based on what you thought even though the thought may not be true. As if a little child, let's take a child for example. If a child smiles and mom smiles back and says goo goo gaga in the baby's brain, smiling is good. 
a pathway is formed that says, if I smile, someone will say, goo goo gaga. If a baby touches something hot, we say, ow, heart. And the brain creates a pathway that says, hot is bad. Don't touch the things that are hot. If a baby wants a sucker, I want a sucker. Mom says, no sucker. And baby's like, I want a sucker. Mom says, no sucker. And baby cries. And so mom plop gives the baby a sucker. The baby's brain says crying is good. And that's why some of your 12-year-olds are spoiled rotten because you gave them a sucker when they were crying. And now every time you drive through the bank drive through window, they start crying because they think you're going to give them a sucker. What's happening? Our brain is constantly evolving and creating neural pathways. It's good news when you're thinking good thoughts or true thoughts. It's bad news, though, when you believe lies because your brain basically doubles down, and we tend to believe the lies more fiercely than we believe the truth. How many of you know that's true, that you will believe a lie about yourself? You'll believe the bad stuff about yourself way more than you can believe anything that's good. Somebody says you did, man, that was great. You're doing so good there. And you're like, no, no, I'm not doing good. No, 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 no. We can believe if somebody walked up to you and said, you did awful today. And they're like, you are right, I did. Why? We believe the bad way more than we believe the good. What's the problem? The problem is that most of life's battles are won or lost here in our mind. There's a battle in the mind. And if I can be real transparent, my thoughts in so many seasons of my life have been my number one worst enemy. I shared with you last week how in several stages of my life I've struggled with feelings of inadequacy, insecurities, feelings of never being good enough and not having anything worthwhile to contribute to God's kingdom. I can stand here and talk for 35 to 40 minutes about positive truth and feel good about what I'm doing, but then the time leading up to it and the time afterward I have all kinds of conflicting thoughts and I struggle with my mind. And that's why in this message series, what I'm doing is teaching you something that I'm really learning right now myself. I haven't got this all mastered. And if you came for a master class from somebody who has it perfect, you came to the wrong service. I'm struggling with some of these things myself. And I'm only sharing today what I'm learning because I want us to grow together. We're talking about the Apostle Paul today. And last week we looked at the truth that Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, last week we talked about what's a stronghold. It's a wrong thought pattern. It's a prison based on lies of deception. And God's power, the Bible says, demolishes those strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we're creating new pathways of truth in our minds. We're letting God's truth renew our thinking or renew our minds. So we're looking at the Apostle Paul and the way he fought and won the battle of the mind. It really inspires me from a Roman prison. Writing literally from a Roman prison when he wanted to be in Rome preaching, he was locked up. He wrote this powerful, encouraging letter to the believers in Philippi. And I asked you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 8. He ends his letter with this word of encouragement. He says, I want to tell you one more thing. What he doesn't say, he doesn't say, I'm so discouraged, will you pray for me? 
I'm hurting. Things are bad. I'm locked up in jail. I never thought this would happen. Where is God? That's not what Paul says. That's what we would probably say, am I right? If we'd spent ourselves, all we've been dreaming about going to Rome and we found ourselves in prison, or if you've been dreaming of going to Hawaii and you found yourself in a Hawaiian jail, right? Paul, that's all he wanted to do was go to Rome. And it's his dream. It's his vacation dream. That's where he wants to be. And then he finds himself locked in jail. And he's writing from the jail. And if it was me, I'd be complaining, I'd be griping, I'd be grumbling, but not Paul. At the end of his letter, he says, hey, one more thing. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Notice that line that starts the second sentence. Fix your thoughts. He says, think about things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. Not one bad thing in the bunch. If there's one thing I can tell you, and don't forget this today, of everything we've covered, remember this. Of everything we've talked about, remember this. Fix your thoughts. That's what Paul says. I've talked to you for four chapters. Of all the things I've said, this is the most important. Fix your thoughts. In other words, meditate on that which is true. Notice it in the New King James Version. Philippians 4, 8 in the New King James says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Everybody say meditate. Meditate on these things. Now, why does that matter? As we talked about last week, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If a thought comes into your mind, it comes out in your life. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the things that are in our mind are going to come out in our life. So you can't, you, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Your thoughts matter so much. Your thoughts are shaping you. They are directing you. And if you are constantly thinking about the negative, how can you produce positive? If all you're putting into your life is negativity, positivity is not what's going to come out. If you cannot control what you think, you will never, ever control what you do. See, the reason why this series is so important is we've got to gain control over what we think so that we can have control over what we do. Our behavior is dictated by the way that we think. Why is it that so often we make irrational, unwise, and ungodly decisions? Because our wires are crossed and we can't control what we do because we're not controlling what we think. That's why this week what I want to do is I want to share with you a discipline that I am trying to practice in my life. I was talking to my wife last night about this particular subject. I want to encourage you to join me on the journey of this, this uh, discipline. Essentially, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to train my brain, my mind. You may say, well, how do you train your mind? It's very similar to training your body. Some of you are gym rats. You are in the gym often. You will identify with this illustration. If you go to the gym and you're doing curls, what are you doing? You're training your biceps, right? If I work on my mind, I'm training my mind 
by working on truth. A lot of people think that if they just go to the gym and they kind of work hard and they throw some weight around and they grunt a lot, they'll be in good shape. What I've learned, and a lot of this I've learned just because of the, the, the constant education that Lisa Atkins is putting into us through her, her, her social media production, is that to truly be physically healthy, it's not about what I do always with my body, but it's about what I put into my body. See, you can do all kinds of stuff with your body, but if you're not putting good stuff into your body, you're only getting a part of the proper picture. Somebody needs to hear that today. It's not just what I do with, but it's what I put into my body that really matters. To truly be healthy, what goes in has to be healthy, not just what I do with it. The same is true with your mind. To truly have a God-centered, healthy mind, it's not just about what you do with your mind, but it's also about what you put into your mind. Listen to filth, sit around and read filth, watch filth, whatever. It's hard to get a clean mind if you're putting in a constant diet of filth. Let's just be real. Constantly eating up all the garbage, you're not going to be thinking good thoughts. It's not just about what you do, but it's about what you put in. So personally, what I've been trying to do, and I've been working on focusing my mind and training it toward truth. You do curls for your biceps, I'm doing mental exercises for my brain. I'm training my brain towards God's truth. Now, maybe you're thinking that's a great idea, but how would you go about doing something like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm personally working on meditating towards truth. Now, immediately some of you are like, ooh, meditation, pastor's gone new age, you're one with the universe, you're chanting, you're saying, mm, all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. I don't have time for that. I ain't got time to sit with my legs crossed. I don't know if I could sit with my legs crossed anyway. Let me just give you the simple definition of meditation. The simple de definition of meditation is this. It's to engage in mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. So let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 119, verse 15 and 16. The writer of Psalm says, I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I'm focusing my thoughts, God, on your precepts, on your ways. I delight in your decrees, God. I will not neglect your word. I'm focusing my mind on truth. I'm focusing it on you. Psalm 143 and 5 says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. God, I'm thinking about your truth. I'm thinking about your presence. I'm thinking about your goodness. I'm thinking about your works. I'm meditating on you. If Eastern meditation is emptying your mind, what I'm talking about is the opposite. I'm talking about filling your mind with God's truth. I don't have to clear my mind. I got to put the right stuff in my mind. Some of us sitting around trying to clear it all out. No, 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 no. You just put some good stuff in and let the good stuff push the bad stuff away and just keep filling it with truth. It's not just what I do with my mind. It's what I put into my mind. And so what I'm learning and I'm trying to do is 
I'm trying to train my mind to focus on God and his truth and when he, what God believes about me and what his word says about me. And I'll tell you, my journey in learning to meditate on God's scriptures and God's truth, and again, I'm not an expert at all, but over the last few weeks, I've been trying to sit in my office at my desk for about five minutes at a time and learn to focus my mind because my mind is not focused. And when it's not focused, it doesn't typically drift towards truth. It drifts toward the lies trying to focus my mind and I've been trying to change the way I think the way I think about others the way I think about myself the way I think about my family and as I change my thinking guess where I notice changes in me I'm realizing that simply because of my patterns of thought I've neglected relationships that I once valued I've thought negatively about people because I allowed one little stray thought to fester and produce negativity in my mind, and it caused negative actions upon my part because I let negative stuff center in my mind. Most of you know I had a pretty severe surgery on my ankle back in December. For six months prior to that, I'd been walking on a fractured ankle, constantly in pain. When they finally realized what was wrong, I had done so much damage that a surgery that should have taken less than an hour took over four and a half hours. And over the last six months, I have not recovered the way I or the doctor thought I should. And because of the pain in my foot in the lower leg, I've labeled, I've babied my right foot so much, it's caused compensating factors on my left foot. I told some folks a few months ago that I wondered if part of my problem was mental. In other words, the pain was so real that whenever I would attempt to put pressure on it or walk normally, the pain was so intense that my mind started telling my body, you can't. You shouldn't. I wouldn't. Not a good idea. Don't. It's gonna. You, you know you shouldn't. You're gonna suffer. So before you know it, my thinking has put limitations on my body. And I won't exercise because of fear. And I start to suffer in other areas and I gain weight and I feel bad about myself and my whole life is limited because of negative thinking. So this past week, I took my daughter to DMV to get her driver's license. We had a 9 a.m. appointment. We arrived at 8.22. And if you're one of those people who likes to arrive at the last second to make yourself a grand entrance, change your thinking. Because arriving early makes a difference. Says a lot about you anyway. But this day, arriving at 8.22 made all the difference. So the guy, we get to DMV. We get up to the counter, and we are short one document that we needed, her learner's permit. The one document we needed most, we left it at home. So the guy at DMV was extremely accommodating, which I know sounds like an oxymoron. DMV accommodating. But it's true. He was really accommodating. He asked Abigail to stay behind, and he allowed me to run back home, which was 15 minutes away. My appointment was at 9. We arrived at 822. Can you say thank you, Jesus? So Abigail stayed behind. She continued to get ready for the exam, and I drove like a madman back to the house. I got the document we needed. Let's just say every law that she was going to proceed to swear to uphold, I broke twice. She was watching on her phone on Find My Friends, and she said, Dad, it said you were five minutes away, and then it said you were one minute away, and five minutes had not gone by. 
When I got home, I, I put the truck in park. I jumped out. I sprinted into the house. I grabbed the document. I sprinted back down the steps all the way to the truck. I jumped back in the truck. I take off. I drive as if I'd lost my mind from Mechanicsville back to the DMV on Route 1 over in Glen Allen. And about halfway down 295, it hit me. I had just run from the car to the house and back. I didn't hobble. I didn't one foot each step. I took off and I ran. You see, at that moment, I wasn't thinking, you just had surgery. You shouldn't be doing this. I wasn't thinking, it's going to hurt. You're going to be in pain. You're going to suffer all week. If you, I, I wasn't thinking any of that. You know what I was thinking? My baby needs me. I am on a sprint to get what she needs, and I'm getting back to the car, and I'm going to take care of her because I'm a good dad, and I'm going to be the best at what I can be. And I took off, and I ran, and I came back. See, I wasn't thinking. I did what came naturally. The well-worn path of normal activity in my life took over because I wasn't entertaining the negative thoughts that I was limiting myself with. So I started thinking, I wonder if the limitations that have been placed in my life are only there because of the way that I think. Suddenly it dawned on me that the only limitations on me are the ones that I impose in my mind. I asked myself, how many other places in my life is my limited mind talking my body out of doing what God has created and called me to do because of thinking that is limiting God's ability in my life? So I'm getting serious about training my mind because I want to win the war. I'm determined that I'm not going to be defeated. I am an overcomer. And if the war is taking place in my mind, I have got to train my mind to be the mind of a champion. And if the mind of the, my mind is the mind of a champion, the rest of me will be a champion because out of the abundance of my mind, the rest of me takes place. So I typically get in the office earlier than everybody else anyway, which is great because it's quiet and I can focus for a few minutes before the day gets crazy. And so for the last few weeks, I've been trying something new. During this time, I typically pray, read my Bible, but if I'm being honest, my prayer has generally been all about me. Any of you pray like that? Let me tell you about my needs, God. Let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about my wants. Let me tell you about my hurts. Let me tell you about me, me, me. Because I got a lot of stuff. And I just want to let you know about it, God. But the last few weeks, I've been intentionally trying to change my morning alone time, my meditation and my prayer time. And while, again, I'm no expert at this yet, I believe I'm headed in the right direction. So let me tell you what I'm doing. I start by reading my Bible. Not a lot, not some in-depth study, maybe just a psalm or a quick something that focuses on the attributes of God, his faithfulness, his kindness to me. This is not the time when I'm reading about God's righteous retribution on the world and how he's going to rain down fire from heaven and destroy wickedness. That's not what I'm reading about here, okay? I'm reading about stuff that builds me up and makes me excited about goodness and grace. So after I focus my brain on God's word and his truth for just a few minutes, then I've been doing a five-minute prayer discipline. It's really simple. Admittedly, I'm pretty simple. It's not original with me. I saw that another pastor was doing this, and I stole it because he said I could, and so I just did. And so I set my alarm on my phone for five minutes, and I sit in the quiet. I don't say anything in my mind. I think, Holy Spirit, lay somebody on my heart that I can pray for today. And then I pray simple blessings from God's word 
on that person's life. Over the last few weeks, I have found myself praying over our volunteers, praying over our staff, praying over our leaders, praying over our dream teamers, over many of you that are in this room. And what I notice is that those five minutes of time that I focus on the people outside of me, focus on others, my feelings towards those people begin to change. If I did have negative thoughts, they began to dissipate and the positive things that I'm believing for them and I'm praying over them and I'm thanking God for them and I'm breathing blessings on their life, those things come to the surface of my mind. I'm taking the focus off me and I'm putting it on somebody else and it's taking them before God and after that I go into deeper times of prayer. But with that five-minute focus doing, it's training my brain to think differently. It's focusing so that my daily prayer time can be more effective because I'm focused and I'm not scattered and I'm not centered on me and mine. Now, I will admittedly admit that I am an ADD prayer typically. I don't know if you can relate. I got good intentions, right? I mean, I get down, I get on my knees. I got good intentions. Dear God in heaven, I love you today. I worship you, and oh my gosh, I forgot to change the oil in the car. I forgot to send that text. Oh my gosh, the bill is due. Squirrel! And my prayer life goes like 32 seconds, and I'm off base. I wonder what happened. In the same way that an athlete trains their body, I'm training to focus my mind on God's truth If it's only for five minutes, God, I'm going to give you these five minutes and I'm going to meditate on your truth and that's all I'm going to think about. And before I know it, that time begins to expand. Why? Because the more you exercise it, the better you get at it. The more you exercise it, the longer you can go. The more you exercise, the more your endurance goes. Meditating on truth. And its very simplest part is just focus. What am I focusing on? I'm focusing on what is true Because when my mind wanders, it doesn't wander toward truth. It wanders toward the lies. You're not good enough. You can never measure up. Who do you think you are? Why do you bother trying? Your life is hard and nobody understands. You can go at this pace only for so long. You'll never make it. No, 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 no. I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. Scientifically speaking, I'm creating new pathways. Spiritually speaking, I'm letting God's truth renew my mind. I'm not believing the lies. I'm embracing the truth. Let me apply this to last week's lesson. I told you what we did last week was going to matter, and, and this could really be a game changer for some of you. If you can change your thinking, you can change your life, your thoughts matter. Two questions I asked you to ask yourself this week. The first question is this, what stronghold or what negative way of thinking is holding you back? At what point are you a hostage to a wrong mindset? Where in your life are you right now? You've got the wires crossed. You're believing something that isn't true. You're not good enough. After what you did, God could never use you. You're never going to struggle. You're always going to struggle financially. Everybody in your family does. You're never going to get ahead. You're never going to be a blessing to anybody. Relationally, you're a mess. You could have true, couldn't have true intimacy if you wanted to. You could never be close to anybody. You're always going to screw up. Everybody in your family battles with weight. You're always going to battle. It's just part of who you are. Get used to it. What are the negative stronghold that's holding you hostage? Identify what that lie is. What is the stronghold that holds you back? Then what I want you to do, and I mentioned it last week, I want you to identify the truth. What truth demolishes that stronghold? Name it, write it down, write down the truth. I am not what I buy 
or what I have or who comments on my Instagram post that I edited and put a filter on to make me look six years younger. I am not a hostage. I'm not a prisoner to that addiction. I have the power of Christ dwelling within me. I can overcome the thing that has haunted me. My God is for me. My God is my provider. He will meet all my needs. I will be a blessing to others. Whatever it is, name that truth. We'll play the, we, can play, we can make it a, a game show. Name that truth. What I want you to do is this. I want you to identify what the lie is, and then I want you to identify the truth. Write it down. And then I want you to take this as your mantra over this week. I want you to write it, think it, confess it till you believe it. Write it, think it, and confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Say it with me. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. New neural pathways, the power of God's word renewing your mind so you don't react to the lies that have held you hostage from the past, but you respond with the truth that is dwelling within your mind. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. I don't know how it's going to play out in your mind. So many of you are worried about all kinds of things, and I don't know what it is that you're hostage to, but maybe you're hostage to your fears. You lay awake at night, you wonder, you worry, what am I going to do? I'm going to write it, I'm going to think it, I'm going to confess it until I believe it. Yours may go like this. Here's your declaration. Because of Christ, I am not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. Okay, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm worried. Uh Uh-uh. I am not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling within me. My heart and ruling my mind is up to God. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Maybe you say, I don't know what to do. I can't make a decision. I don't know what God's will is. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Declare it. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Maybe you lack confidence, never good enough. I never measure up. I can never make a difference. You declare the truth that says my confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Listen, you'll feel foolish at first. You'll be saying something you want to believe about your life, but your life is saying something completely different. But God, keep renewing my mind. I'm going to write it, I'm going to think it, I'm going to confess it until I believe it. And even though I might not see it, I'm going to believe it because I know you're working even when I can't see it. A few minutes every day sparking the brain that God so intricately designed with pathways that are available for truth. Truth, truth, truth. I'm not putting in a negative. I'm putting in truth. Everything that's good that's going to come into my mind is going to be truth. I'm not putting in garbage. I'm putting in truth. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. Let me explain it like this. A little over a year ago, I started taking doctoral classes, working on my doctorate in ministry. I was always a good student. Master's level classes were tough, but after a while I adjusted to them and it didn't seem so bad. But the doctorate level classes were out of my depth. The professors would give these online lectures, and I'd listen to them. I'd rewind them. I'd listen again. Sometimes it felt like they were talking a foreign language. Their command of the English language and vocabulary and use of language had me scrambling for a dictionary almost every lecture. 
It was a struggle. I didn't get it. I had so much reading to do. It was over my head. I felt dumb for the first time in my life. I got through my first class. I'm still not sure how. I started learn, taking the next one, started understanding a little better what was being said. Then I'd write. And something, I'd always been good at writing. My professors would criticize me, though, and tell me that I needed to write more like an academic. But I don't think like an academic. So I had a hard time writing like an academic until I didn't. One day I realized that I was not only understanding what was being said, but I was conversing with them, utilizing words and language that were equal to their footing in the language. And where I'd once felt inadequate, now I was holding my own. What had felt like confusion just a few short months before now seemed clear. It was as if someone had uncrossed the wires. And right now, the idea of being free seems foreign to you. Right now, the idea of living a life without worry seems foreign to you. But the more you write it, the more you think it, the more you confess it, the more you believe it, all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and the wires are going to be uncrossed and the life that you're living is going to reflect what you've been writing, thinking, believing, and confessing. I promise, I just want you to understand because I don't want you to be, to, to be short-circuited. This is what it will be like. You're going to write it, think it, confess it, believe it. And some days it's going to be two steps forward and one step back. Some days it's going to be three steps forward and two steps back. But you continue. You continue as God is renewing your mind. And then one day, one day you hit with that something that normally sends you into a tailspin. And instead of reacting with a lie that you've been telling yourself for years, that has held you hostage for decades. Instead, you step up and you respond to it with truth because all of a sudden the lie doesn't make sense anymore because I've been writing, I've been thinking, I've been believing, and I've been confessing. I'd love it if you'd stand with me today as our musicians and singers are coming. Prayer team is coming as well. Just stand to your feet. We're going to worship together in a little bit in a moment. But I want to be real honest with you. I told you last week for years I battled with a lie that says you're not good enough, you're inadequate, you're never going to measure up, you don't have what it takes. They've, that thoughts have haunted my mind for decades. It's what I battle with. I battle with putting God first because sometimes I'm too consumed with what people think about me and living up to their expectations than I am about what God thinks about me. When I get overwhelmed, which is a lot, here's my default. I lash out. I react negatively, sometimes angrily. I raise my voice. I usually take my wife for granted and respond to my wife and my children in a way that makes them think I am angry with them. When I'm really not angry at anybody, I'm just overwhelmed by the life that I have, and I've told myself that I'm inadequate, and therefore I feel inadequate and I react negatively. I feel sometimes the weight of ministry, of being a good husband, a good father, a good provider, of being a part of a le leading a great church that God is blessing and staying submitted to God's spirit and getting right and dealing with all my confusing emotions and the complexity of it. It's a burden that never, ever seems to go away. So what do I do? I'm trying to focus my mind to realize that his mercies are renewed every morning. And so I wake up and I want to renew my mind. Because if I let my mind dwell on the failure of yesterday, it will always be doomed to repeat the failure of yesterday. It will always go down the same road. It will always end at the same locale. It will always go to the same place. Why? Because I failed yesterday, therefore tomorrow will be the same. But I'm waking up and I'm thinking differently. Why? Because Jesus is my leader. He is my guide. He will order my steps. He will take me to success. He will do in me what he desires.
So I'm trying to take in God's word every day. It's not just what I do with my mind. It's what I put in it. I take in God's word. I focus. I train my mind to focus. Because if you don't control what you think, you can never control what you do. I declare some truths about me from God's word. I typed these on my computer this past week, and I started declaring them at the end of my five minutes. When I tell you this message is really about as much about me as it is about anyone in this room, I'm serious. God is working me through this. Carolyn walked to my office on Thursday, and she said, you did a great job last Sunday. You really ministered to people. The body of Christ needs what you're saying. And I said, well, thank you. And I said, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I hope I'm doing okay. And she said, no, 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 you're not thinking like that. And she immediately began to speak words of truth over my life. So when I tell you that I'm going through it right with you, I mean it. I have not, me- I have not mastered this yet. But this is this past week, after my five minutes of focusing on, on truth and focusing on people outside of me and praying, This is what I wrote on my computer that I'm going to start, that I started confessing over my life every single day. I said, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and I will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for the kingdom than they ever thought possible. I love people, and I believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Spirit of God dwells within me. I develop leaders. That's not something that I do. It's who I am. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Jesus suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I bring my best that makes the difference. And I declare the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. Why do I confess it? Because my life is moving in the direction of my strongest thought. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. So what are we going to do? We're going to recognize the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. Ours have divine power to pull down and demolish strongholds. We take every thought captive, and we are renewing it by the power of God's Word. Today, if you're here and you would say, I need some help renewing my mind. I'm in a battle. It's in my mind. I'm not always winning. God, help renew my mind with truth. If that's you, lift up your hands right now. Go ahead, lift them up. It's all right. You are not alone today. Leave them up if you will. I want you to listen to me today. If it's a problem for you to do something about it, you do something about it. If it's a problem that you want fixed, you do something about it. Don't lose the battle. If you need to get in shape, you change what you put in, and you change what you do. If you need your mind to get in shape, you got to change what you put into it and change what you do with it. 
a few minutes a day. I'm not asking you to devote an hour a day. If God leads you to that, great. I'm asking you for five minutes every morning. Five minutes. God, I want to think on you. I'm going to shut out the world. I'm going to close off my radio. I'm going to close off the television. I'm going to sit down for five minutes, and I'm going to think about your goodness and allow you to direct my life. Every eye closed as your hands remain raised toward heaven. Father, I pray that your truth would set us free. God, help us to focus our minds, to meditate on you, your power, your goodness, your kingdom, your glory, your truth, your word. God, we call it whatever we want today, new pathways, renewing our mind. But today, God, help us not to react with the lies, but help us to respond with your truth that dwells within us. God, I pray for victory today. I pray for freedom in this house. I pray, God, that you would renew our minds. What I want you to do, look up here at me for a moment. Just look up here. Every head up, every eye open. You ever heard a preacher say that one? Everybody looking around. There are those of you in this room, you've been believing lies. You have. For a long time. And they have held you back spiritually for way too long. You've convinced yourself you can never accomplish what God put in your mind to do 10 years ago because you're never good enough. You keep failing. You keep falling. You keep struggling. You keep messing up. You keep making mistakes. And I just come to tell you today, if you think you're the only one with that problem, I just saw a whole host of people had their hand up say, I'm struggling too. You're not alone. We're all in this together. The last time I checked, everybody in this room has this awful thing on us called flesh that keeps us bound and struggling and always falling down if we're not careful. Paul struggled with it. He said, the thing that I want to do, I talked to you about it last week, I don't do. The thing that I'm supposed to do, I do the opposite. We all are struggling with it. And you know what? We can battle and we can win if we'll learn to put the right stuff in so that the right stuff can come out. Some of you today, you've been struggling with lies for way too long. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. After what I've done, God could never use me. Let me tell you the truth about our God today. God is love. Love isn't just something that he does. Love is who he is. He cannot help but love you. It is who he is. There is not no way, no shadow of turning with him. He is love, and therefore he does love. You may be here today, and but I believe today you're not here by coincidence, but you're here by the providential hand of a God who is reaching out to you. The truth is we need him. He loves us so much. And so today, I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, but what I want us to do We've got some folks from our prayer team up here. If you need specific prayer today, they will pray with you. But I am asking, as a congregation, if we would all come to the front. Make it easy for everybody. And gather into this front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. But I believe with all of my heart, God has given me some declarations that I want to declare over you today. And I want you to experience God's presence. So as they begin to sing... I want you to come to this altar. We're going to, in this altar time, we're going to worship the Lord as they begin to sing together. 
And when we get to the end of it, I'm going to declare some things over you that I believe God spoke to me this week, and I believe it's going to change some of our lives. Would you come today? Don't nobody kneel. Just come as tight as you can so everybody can get in here today because I want you to hear what God is speaking to us. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Oh, the sunset's sweet. Oh, it's sweet I'm a child of God. Yes, I today. Thank you for coming and, 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 and obediently coming. I know many of you may not have wanted to do that, but I, I'm thankful today that you did. And here's what I want you to hear. I want you to know the truth about our God. Our God loves you. In fact, the fact that you're here today, I believe is by divine providence. The truth is we need him. He loves us so much. They just sing about it. He sent his son to die on a rugged, cruel cause for your sins and for mine. After his death, he was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he refused to stay there, and he rose, defeating death and bringing new life to you and to me. And the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And see, we are living in a day and age in which they tell you that God is dead and that the power of God is not real. But I'm here to tell you today, when I get in Christ, everything in my past is what is dead. And everything that is in my future comes to life because of him. That's the gospel of Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And the fact that we lived lives that were worthy of death, but because he died, we can rise to the newness of life. And when we identify, we confess that Christ is Lord in our lives and we acknowledge the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the Bible gives us a beautiful new life picture that we are invited to live in because of him. We're given that privilege to walk in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm going to give you a chance to worship today because I think it's so important that we cement what I've talked about today with a time of worship. But before I do, I want to declare some truth over you. As a pastor, as a friend, I think I understand some of the lies that hold us hostage, not just you, hold me hostage. And so I've written some declarations for you today. This is truth from God's word. If you are in Christ, this is for you. If you feel comfortable this morning, all across this front, I'd like you to lift your hands, extend them in a posture to receive. If you don't feel comfortable this way, turn them over. I don't care. But just extend yourself in a posture to receive. And I want you to begin this week to think it, confess it, believe it, think it, confess it, believe it. If you got to write it down first, write it down and think it, confess it, believe it. Let me tell you who you are. You are strong and mighty in Christ. You have the same spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead. You are a weapon of righteousness in a dark world. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what you think you are. You are who God says you are. And my God says you're forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you are free. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons that you fight with are not the weapons of this world. They have power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. Worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart, guards your minds, and guards your souls. You have not been given a spirit of fear. Bring the music down just a little bit. I can't hear myself. You have not been given a spirit of fear. you got to hear me today. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness, and you are brought into the kingdom of God's light. You are empowered. You are called. You are chosen. You are the masterpiece of God created in Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance before you were ever born. Your God will bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you can bring him glory without the worry of this world. Your God is for you. Your God is with you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Nothing, church, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not angels, not demons, not present, not past, not weapon. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Step into the truth today. You are who God says you are. The battle rages, but we have won the war. The battle rages, but you are a winner today. All over this house, let's worship him together. Come on, let's worship him.